Welcome back to I Was Hornswoggled, waking up from a narcissist-induced nightmare. I am your host, Tarena. It is December 12th, 2023, and I am still pumping away. I got infected on Thanksgiving. Every time we go to my in-laws, we like it's like jumping into a germ petri dish. And we definitely got the big C, the, the corona. And we also, um, it felt also like the norovirus, which <laughs> fun mix, you know, and then it hit everybody in the family, like totally different. So we always know, like, if we do decide to go to the in-laws for Thanksgiving, we know that we're going to, we plan on being affected. There's like 17 or 18 little kids there and they, you know, little kids, they, they have a lot of um, germs are like little petri dishes with legs <laughs> that go running around. So we knew going in that there was a 50 50 chance that we were going to be down. So, but we're back. And I am back in my van, and my nuggets are back in school, and my son's playing in the playground right by me. And I am. I thought I'm going to take the time to catch up and talk about narcissistic uh, mothers and their effects on their daughters. Might be a couple episodes where I cover all of that. So I plan to go to this um, library today. It's a new library. I've drove by it like all the time. It's like totally a library that I can go to because it's in my area. And I went over, we had an amazing like Christmas, um, because we're sick, we're trying to pack in all of our Christmas adventures into like a couple weeks. So like we made like a whole weekend of it. We got to catch like a parade and we got to do caroling and we got to do hot cocoa and um, it felt like a very Hallmark weekend. And we got to do like a tree lighting. We visited three small towns in the area and like partook in their hometown Christmas activities. It was a blast. The kids had a blast. It really helped get us into the swing of things because being down and sick and as a mom taking care of all the sick ones while you're sick, you know, that's the fun part. So we are back of business. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to have a little chat about narcissistic moms because it's always in the back. I love to keep myself in check. I do pride myself on my self-awareness. I know that coming from a narcissistic mom, I don't want whatever flea infestations, narc flea infestations she infested me with, I don't want them to affect me or my life moving forward. And I feel like I, because I was so independent, probably because I had a narcissistic mom. I got out of the house as soon as I possibly could. I did did not stick around long. Uh, The minute I could start renting, I was working two jobs. I was going to high school. I was going to cosmetology school and working two jobs. Like I was anything I could do to get out of the house, I was out of the house. And so I feel like the amount of time she had with me was very minimal to um, fully affect me as I was maturing. But definitely there's the younger years that you, you know, but at those time they treat you, sometimes they'll, they'll treat you the best, but she just rotated me and my sister. So it was either you were the hated one or you were the loved one. But my sister didn't have that much. Um, she was the one that was spoiled and coddled um, in order to keep her prisoner there where I was given very minimal anything and told, do it on your own. So I did, you know, and at the time they may have 
hurt my feelings or made me feel less than, but I recognized that it was quite a gift in the long run because I am very self-reliant and independent and I have a strong sense of justice and I have, um, my identity was not reliant upon um, anything outside of me because I knew I must have known at a young age. I had to learn, you know, part of survival, like, I'm not going to let you get me down. I just always have had that fighter spirit in me. And not everyone has that. And um, growing up with abusive parents definitely can take their toll on you if you are wired differently. If, um, you know, there's what, the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Flight? Yes, fight, freeze, and fawn. Depending on your fight style, (laughs) depending on um, how you're wired as an individual, do you, you know, stick up for yourself? Do you avoid confrontation? Do you flatter your abuser just to, you know, stay off the radar? You know, what do you do? Or do you just put your fight, your gloves on and go to town? Like, a lot of it depends on, like, how we're wired to handle any sort of confrontation. So um, I find that I, the way my wiring worked, I feel like I got, once I realized that my mom was a covert narcissist, um, I, I find that my ability to be self-sufficient um, definitely helped me not fall back into her grip and also helped me realize that Everything that she's been saying about me to my face and otherwise, um, it, it had never held any water. I think the the hardest thing about the whole situation was the, the breach of trust and um, coming to the realization that your parent, you thought they loved you, but they did not. <laughs> and I think that's always a hard thing when you put your trust into someone and you find out that they are, you know, doing everything in their power to destroy you, from whether it's in front of you or behind you. It's heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking whether it's a relationship or um, just a friendship or a family member. It is definitely hard to get over that whole trust thing. That takes time. And you have to, at the end of the day, realize that it's, it has everything to do with them. and has nothing to do with you. And that doesn't make it any easier to heal from it. But for me, it made it feel like it. when I know that this person has a personality disorder, it helped take away like it was a like a personally targeted situation I was going through. And just like no matter who was in that spot that I held, that person was going to be the target. So it wasn't like anything me specifically as an individual was the one that was hated. It was just anyone who can help compete with against their shine, their their specialness, that person's always going to be the target. So yeah, that made it a lot easier for me to process stuff once I realized that it wasn't anything me as a person and individual as a, a woman did. It was just the fact that I existed in any capacity and any warm body would have been the target. So to me, that brought me a peace of mind as opposed to like targeted harassment where someone just locks in on one individual and just uh, you know hones in on them then that that's entirely different so I just wanted to talk based on some mother-daughter situations when you are 
coming out of being um, under their thumb and the different effects that it can have on an individual. So I will continue my discussion on that on the flip side. All right, so we're going to be talking um, about the mother-daughter relationship and some of the effects coming out of being raised by a narcissist. And this is um, more targeted through the mother-daughter situation. So um, some of the children that of narcissistic moms can actually develop something called an insecure attachment style. And this can come across as having anxiety or being extra avoidant due to our mother's unpredictability, their emotional unavailability, and their abusive tendencies, whether it be mental, physical, verbal. So due to our mother's self-centeredness, we can typically learn to suppress our own needs and emotions to avoid rejection or abandonment. And this was so, um, this was so, this was one of the strongest, I think, effects that my mother's in, in involvement, non-involvement in my life. She was only involved in areas I've, I've noticed when I go back and I like comb through all of my, my time with her. Um, it was never in a supportive way. Uh, it was always very exploitive with her. She would exploit her relationship with me. I was used as like her therapist, her dumpster for all of her emotions. I was used to, uh, she loved to try to embarrass me. If she knew that something really embarrassed me, she would try to put me on the spot like all the time for like her own enjoyment. And as a parent, <laughs> I honestly can't think like, how do you, how do you get joy out of making other people miserable? So I, as a mom, I'm like looking at my kids, like, I don't want them to be embarrassed. I don't find joy in their discomfort. So I feel like because I'm a mom and I'm raising two children and I'm aware of all the, the crap that my mom did, I compare notes all the time. I do emotional check-ins with myself all the time. I'm like, is this something that I would have done? Is this how I would have acted? If I'm a mom and I'm carrying out these little assaults on my children, is like, what kind of a darkness is inside of me that makes me want to do this or find joy in it? And it's a gross feeling. I don't know anyone who would want to do something like that unless they do have a little something going on upstairs, you know, it's just like, come on. So I've definitely realized that everything I did was start, I was started the show on talking about like how I have always been independent and self-reliant and I go to myself for my common sense and I feel like I'm pretty level-headed and, um, the way I process stuff, I very much care about the, the greater, good, like how we as individuals, our, our actions um, can directly or indirectly affect someone else down the line. Stuff like that is, is always at the top of my, my mind. I'm always thinking of how my actions may um, affect someone else. And if it could affect them in a negative way, I obviously don't want any part in it. 
but what I've had to learn as a woman growing up and um, embracing my self-reliance is the fact that there does come a point where you just have to let people think what they want. You know, there's a fine line of not wanting to be the big rock that makes the ripple in the pond of life and just like knocks everybody's peace out of the, the water. But there also becomes, um, it's a balancing act where you can rock the boat. It's okay to stick up for yourself. It's okay to defend yourself. It's okay to have a voice. It's okay to say, I'm not buying what you're selling. So it's like a fine balance of not throwing your weight around because you were victimized and not victimizing yourself. So you don't have to be so abrasive and in people's face um, defending yourself because you came from an abused background, but then you also um, don't have to use it as an excuse to just sit down, shut up, and and um, continue the ragdoll life. So it's definitely a balancing act. But uh, one of the things that was the most prevalent uh, in my life when I look back was when my dad passed away. Um, my I was not allowed to feel anything. I wasn't allowed to feel anything. I wasn't allowed to discuss my feelings. I wasn't allowed to to have feelings. It was almost as if the only people who could mourn my father's death was my mom because it was her husband. It was her husband. It was her right. And like, and I was thinking like, but he's my dad, right? Like you husbands can come and go. People have had in my family, I've known an aunt that, that had like five, six different husbands. You know, it's like they got a new one like every 10 years or something. It was strange. But no, not every 10 years because she's in her 70s now. That means she would have had to have been married when. So it was six in her lifetime. But, you know, some of them didn't last as long as others. <laughs> so, you know, like. I don't even know how I got off on that tangent, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Being able to find your value in your parents. Like, it's like my dad. It's my dad died, you know, and I'm not allowed to talk about it because my mom, it's all about her and her spouse that died. Like, she could not cross over and even wrap her head around the fact that her daughters, too, were mourning the loss of their father. One of the people who brought them into this earth, like, that is a huge thing. And it was, and this was before, obviously I even knew that my mom was a narcissist. It's almost like narcissists, if they really, if they really put any thought into how they're perceiving themselves, they would realize that the words they say are, excuse me, I, if you heard me, I had a air bubble shoot up in my body and it made some rumbling noise. It was not a burp because I was still talking, but you know, it's like when your stomach makes their little weird gurgle noises and I don't know how loud it was. <laughs> so I just ate a bagel. Okay. Give me a break. So what I'm saying is, you know, like one of the things that she said to me was very self like aware in a way where she said when I was trying to explain to her, she's like, I just don't understand why you're so upset with your dad. Da, da, da. I was like, you don't get it, do you? Like, he's our dad. And she said, this is one of the things, like if, if narcissists only listen to their own words, it's almost like their internal soul is trying to like give them a, like a smack across the face, like wake up, like V8 them in the forehead, you know? She said to me, and now looking back, I'm like, that chick, 
on a, on a lower or higher level knows that how she is approaching a situation is wrong. Even she acknowledges why, but at the end of the day, will not ever really fully apply it to herself. She said to me, I guess I just don't understand how it feels to have a, to, to miss your father because I've never had a good father. So I don't know even know what it feels like. So right there, like now looking back at it, it's because since it didn't happen to her, and that's one thing is her, if you ever had a bad day, it would always be brought back to her. You were never literally ever allowed to discuss anything that was going wrong in your life because it always came back to her all the time. And it would be the same story too. It's not like she switched it up. It'd be like the same freaking story or the same freaking um, trail of events. So you were never allowed to have a bad day. And that all just kind of goes into what it is to, to be raised a self-reliant kid and not being able to depend on your narcissist parent because you, they don't have time for you or your feelings or your emotions. So, and that's definitely led to me during that period of time becoming a boxed wine addict. Like I could not function if I did not have wine. And there is another effect of being raised by these type of toxic parents is, um, we do tend to end up having, since we don't have anyone to share our, share our emotions, negative or positive, it can throw us into, um, people can often suffer from mental illness. They can suffer from addiction. And I definitely was, um, leaning in that direction. I definitely was. <laughs> um, so the consequences of like this, this insecure attachment style that I'm talking about is far reaching. We can often have, you know, like what I was just talking about, um, that greater risk of developing other problems in our lives because we were never taught or given the space to share um, anything. And this can lead to us even having a hard time maintaining uh, healthy relationships because we didn't know what it felt like. So we can often go into relationships that emulate the bad behavior and the poor treatment of our parents. The fact that I never had anyone to ever listen to me or bounce any thoughts, opinions, or emotions off from, I had to do everything in-house. So when you go out into the world and you find a um, a partner to share your life with and this partner, you might find yourself like settling in a way, like picking a partner that is not there for you emotionally, picking a partner who is not there for you mentally or supportive in any way. And not that, it, not that they're doing it intentionally. Some people are just more introverted individuals and have a hard time expressing themselves in general. But I'm just saying that we can tend to attract those types of people or we'll put up with that. Like that might be a deal breaker for someone else, but we're so self-reliant and used to having to literally handle every thought, opinion, and emotion in-house that we never have anyone to bounce our ideas and stuff off from. So we just don't look for that in a partner. And all of this can definitely um, be related to being raised that way uh, from a emotionally lacking, not present parent. So it definitely can see that. And I can see that with, I've never had a problem um, making friends. 
If anything, I have gotten rid of most of my friends because I realized that they came there. They also were very self-centered and I had started the last, you know, year. I finally opened up to the idea of making more friends or new friends. Like I have acquaintance friends, like, like, um, I, I can count them out on my hand. <laughs> People that like I knew I've known for like 20 or 30 years, but your moms and you're busy and you can't just sit down and call them up and chat. It's like, I love you. Uh, if we saw each other, we would probably talk for like hours and our husbands would have to yank us away, that kind of a situation. But I've not, I have cut all close relationships out of my life outside of my husband and obviously my children, because it became a, I don't know who I can trust. And these people were not selected by me. They were just in my world. And they also weren't, um, they didn't live up to my, my standards now as a friend. I found that I was settling and I was putting up with a lot and a lot of disrespect, a lot of condes, condens, like condensation. <laughs> my brain is not, it's too early. My coffee's not kicked in. Um, let me see, what word am I thinking of? Oh, let me, they were very condescending. <laughs> condescending, <laughs> you know? So I have gone back to the drawing board of my friendships and now I have started cultivating a couple new friendships and I'm not pushing anything. Um, they just got to grow on their own because I don't want to be an emotionally stunted individual that doesn't trust anybody she comes across, but I'm definitely more selective and I'm definitely not rushing into friendships because I still have huge trust issues now um, on the heels of my mom screwing me over like she did. So I just, I am so self-reliant that sometimes I don't, I, I don't share enough when it comes to people that I'm in a, like a friendship with, or I feel more vulnerable and that's an uncomfortable situation. So, which is odd because I can do a podcast and literally just talk about and share whatever, but that's just the difference of the platforms. And that is easier for me to info dump that way. And, um, it's therapeutic. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. It's very therapeutic. So, um, yeah. And plus, I think it's a two-way street. Uh, if there was one thing that really helped me coming out of all of this was being able to hear other people's experiences and realizing that I was normal and my thoughts were normal. And I would say normal in quotations because are any of us really normal? Not really. So, yeah. So back on that topic, um, we you can also come away from um, being a daughter of a narcissistic parent or mother, um, it can also result in us having a low self-esteem because many of us often receive inconsistent or conditional based love. And that means that they only praised us and only showed us affection or love or attention when we were doing something that made them look good or made them feel good or they benefited from it in some way. You will find that your covert narcissist parent will not celebrate anything you accomplish, no matter how proud or happy you are of yourself, unless they can one, brag about it, two, it helps elevate them in society in some way, three, they benefit from whatever, whether it be like a family discount, whether it be like um, free products or free services, like anything that they can get their little grimy hands on. 
that's what, that's when you will get the attention that you want. So, um, I've also seen a lot of Facebook. Um, now it's just like, I find that my narcissist radar is on like 24 seven now and I can't scroll through Facebook. I have to be on there for my kids school stuff. Um, or else I wouldn't be on there at all. But for some reason, a lot of this boomer generation, no offense, <laughs> I just say that as a joking way. Um, but there's an age group on Facebook that like they live and breathe Facebook. So I'm just saying, if that's you, you might want to dial it back a little bit because it, that can be super addicting and that can be, you know, you got to learn how to take everything in moderation. And also I find that it's also a very toxic environment because the narcissism has gotten really crazy over there. Like I can always tell when someone is very lonely in their life because they're constantly, they're posting to Facebook like a diary. And that to me is normally when someone is not feeling heard, they don't have anybody in their life to bounce off from. They're very lonely. So they overshare on uh, Facebook in a very, but it's really strange though too, because they also won't, engage with anyone when anybody replies like have you seen people like this oh my gosh I can't believe like they post like the sensational thing oh my gosh I can't believe this happened again I hate humans ah! like there's this very like off the wall like whoa where did this post come from like left field and then you'll have what do they do is they won't tell you what's going on or they'll be like, I need prayers right now. I need prayer warriors to come to my aid. And there's these big long posts about needing prayers and prayer warriors, but literally won't tell you anything. And it's like, oh, every week thing. You're like, how, how many horrible situations can a person <laughs> find themselves in that they need to rally the prayer warriors like every week? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff that I go, mm -hmm. It's starting to smell a little narky. <laughs> so, and I don't know if that's just because my radar is so sensitive right now. Like I just, I really, it's, some things are so blunt. Like I can't, I can't overlook it. It's so in my face now. So, um, yeah, I find that that should be very hard, um, to, to get along with as these Facebook posts that are just. I hate even having to participate in this Facebook world, to be honest. It's just gotten crazy. Or you'll have the person who um, sells insurance now. You know, they've been, you've known them like their whole life, but now all of a sudden they sell something, anything, insurance. It could be the um, multi-level marketing things, like candles or whatever. Um, you'll know that that is where all of the people that are selling stuff or benefit from their social media, like their grandmas and grandpas and the people in their town. They just milk that pool of people. And um, they're constantly posting as if they're like a movie star. And they're constantly taking pictures and selfies of themselves because they constantly have to stay relevant because they want to sell products. So they have to constantly be pushing product onto people from their Facebook page. And you're like, oh, you know, so-and-so from 20 years ago, all of a sudden is messaging me and inviting me to um, go to their like Tupperware party online <laughs> or their books. <laughs> I don't know. And it's just like, why am I hearing from you now when, you know, 
I haven't heard from you in like decades and now all of a sudden you want to hang out because you want me to buy like $20 of product. I'm like, how does this work? So I feel like there's been a lot of opportunities for narcissism to thrive on social media. And, but that also can throw us, um, people who struggle with self-esteem, they will get their feed on. And I feel like that's where a lot of it goes, where people who, um, also have that low self-esteem, they've never gotten any sort of support or appreciation or applause or anything, to be honest. Um, there is a Grinch that just pulled up next to me. I wish I could show you a picture of this person. And they're doing a craft thing at my kid's school today. And they have a whole bunch of vendors in there while classes are going on. And what's happening is there's a literal Grinch vehicle. It's a Jeep. They have it totally decked out like the Grinch. And an actual Grinch per a person dressed in a Grinch costume pops out and just starts roaming around. I'm like, okay, here we go. So, um, that, that was funny. Sorry. <laughs> I did not expect to see that just pull up next to me in the parking lot. But that's a sign. I should probably be wrapping up this episode. We're talking about low self-esteem and how social media can be addicting to, um, children who have been raised by narcissists because if they can't get the love and the support and the affection from their own parents, they will go and seek it out. And social media makes it so easy for people to connect with people across the world. And you will get a lot of predatory behaviors feeding off from people with low self-esteem on the internet because that's where we have this, this rash of taking um, nudes and um, naked selfies and inappropriate pictures and just sending them to strangers on the internet. Children are getting sucked into it now. And it all stems from if you're not getting the attention and the support and the true love that you need in your life, um, predators will prey off from that. They know they can see you and smell you from a mile away. And also the children who are have become super low, have low self-esteem, will fall victim even in adulthood to these types of people. They will immediately trust the first person who throws a compliment at them. They will immediately hand over the, the, the steering wheel of their life and their happiness right away to the next person who gives them some sort of affection or attention or tells them that they are pretty or they're handsome. You know, and, and that's the danger of not having that support at a young age is that you'll, you'll still seek it out as you get older and it normally leads you to a not so awesome situation. You will find yourself being right, jumping right from one abusive relationship to another to another because you haven't given your time and your space to find that your self-worth and your value as an individual doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't come from people telling you. It comes from you knowing your worth and your value inside. And it comes from rewiring all of the negative wiring that you've ever been taught like about yourself. Things that your abusers or your narcissists in your life have said to you that literally wasn't true, but you took it, picked it up and stuck it to yourself like Velcro. And that's how I would try to look at it as like, we're all um, people wearing Velcro suits. And as we grew up, our parents would just lob or our abusers or our narcissists in our life, just lob identities at us. You're fat, you're ugly, you're loud, you're lazy. 
you're too slow, you're too quiet, you're too skinny, you're too tall, you're too short. Like, they will do anything to to belittle you, to knock you down, to make sure that you are not thriving because they don't want you to be able to leave or want to leave or have the ability to escape. So having that low self-esteem can definitely... um, bring us down, but we have to realize that we can pry off those words that we picked up and stuck to our Velcro suits through life and just peel it back, peel it back, pick it up and go, does this, does, is this me? No, it's not. Throw it away. Pick one word at a time, work through yourself and realize that your value does not live on the outside of you. You don't need a person in your life to, to be complete. You have to learn to love yourself, love who you can be, when you're not being um, blocked, the, the, the sun is not being blocked from you. Um, you need to do that internal work and realize that you can be happy. You can, and then, you know what? And then when you will start working on yourself, you will attract the right people into your life. You won't be a, um, a new target for a predator because they can smell your vulnerabilities and your low self-esteem. When you can walk with confidence and and feel that you are perfect with or without someone in your life, you will attract the right type of people. The people who really love you and like you and choose to be around you for you. And not just because you're another easy target, another flush bag, another warm body just filling the spot. You want someone to spend time with you and love you because of who you are as an individual and not what you bring to the table to service them with. So, all right, I will stop yakking on that. I gotta go see what's up with this Grinch. That's so silly. So funny. They have such a fun, they're decorating their whole vehicle in this Grinch. So I hope you're doing well. I hope um, you take some of those labels off your Velcro suit and throw them in the trash. Have a good day. Bye.